You're listening to Strong Runner Chick Radio, episode 62. Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome to another episode of SRC Radio. We are so happy to have you join us. Um, we have a very special guest. Actually, now that I think about it, we have two special guests today. Um, joining me as co-host is Miss Elena. Hi, Elena. Hi. How are you? Doing well. Um, well, we are so happy to have you. And as soon as um, you kind of joined on this venture, I was so excited. Meg was. Meg and I were just so excited to have you join us as co-host and Megan is not here today but um you know she is definitely excited to hear how the show goes today and have you here so thank you so much so Elena would you like to do the honors of introducing our special our other special guest yes all right so today we have Kate Hurley joining us she's the creator of the move and meditate method and the co-founder for the brand new mindful movement app Kate with over a decade of experience in the health and wellness industry, Kate understands what, what works and what doesn't. Her dynamic move and meditate move and meditate practice fuses exercise and meditation to help students cultivate a stronger, more resilient body and mind. <laughs> Elena, are you still there? Yes. Okay, you're. I don't know if she's frozen. You're frozen on my computer, but as long as you're still there and recording, um, we're all good to go. Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Literally, if you listen to any of the other episodes, um, my phone goes off at least eight times. I, I don't know, and it's only during the episodes when we're recording, like never during the day or anything. Um, but Kate, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> Um, so we usually start our podcast kind of with a basic question, just as an opener. Um, so how did you get your start in running? Well, the first time I ever went for a run, it was with my older sister. I was 11 years old and she came home from college and she was recovering from an injury. She ran division three at Kenyon and she needed someone to help her go slow and to keep it chill. So she dragged me along and I went in my basketball uniform and my like Nike Air Jordans and I hit the trail in St. Louis, Missouri with my sister and I almost died, but I loved it. So I totally started running because I saw my siblings do it and I wanted to be like them. That's awesome. And what did you like so much about it? Um, well, really, you know, I was a basketball player at first and I started running track in high school as a way to train and stay sh in shape for basketball. 
And then once I started going back to basketball after, you know, having this amazing season, being outside in the fresh air, running around on the trails and on the track with my friends, being in a gym was like the worst thing ever. I'm like, are you kidding me? I have to stay here in this gym until 5.30 when, you know, at track or cross country practice, I would have a very clear workout. I would get my workout done and then I could leave whenever I was finished with my workout rather than just being trapped in the gym. <laughs> and who is joining us in the background there? Oh, this is Javier. He's very <laughs> vocal at selective times of the day. So hopefully he'll be, he'll be quiet, but he's my cat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and how long have you had him? Um, well, he's three. Okay. And he is born, he was born on August 30th. So he's just over three and he is like the love of our lives. <laughs> My mother-in-law really wishes I had an actual baby instead of a cat. <laughs> but he's, he's my firstborn. <laughs> well, I just got my cat. Um, I just got her. I've had her for three months now. And uh, her name is Luna. And, but oh. I got her, she was six months old, so she's gonna be a year. I think I calculated it on like Valentine's Day. So I'm really excited to have her with me too. Oh, what an angel. I'm all about the cats. I, I, I could talk about them all day, that's awesome. <laughs> yes, I'm sure there's a lot of other cat people who are listening and then some people who are more dog people, but. <laughs> um, so, uh, I heard around the grapevine, um, Kate, that you um, ran Division One, um, which is pretty amazing, considering you know not very many people get recruited to go D one or decide even to you know run D one. So, what was your experience like running at a D one program? Yeah, I had a really interesting experience. I had um, the privilege to run at two different Division I programs. I started at a smaller liberal arts school called William & Mary in Virginia. I'm so sorry. I'm it's okay. No, I don't even apologize. I'm just going to put them in the closet. Sure. Of course, he never does this in the middle of the day. Don't um, worry about it. <laughs> yeah, so I had the privilege of running at two different Division I programs. I started at the College of William & Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia, and then I spent three years there, and then I transferred to University of Wisconsin-Madison. And it was amazing to run at that level. I learned so many things about myself. I lost myself. I'm grateful for that time, but I really, really also struggled a lot. Um, so it was a very mixed experience, and I think it can be really challenging when you are a college athlete because everywhere you go, people treat you like you're special, even if you're a mediocre runner like I was, like parents, friends, and people in your community just like are always asking you about your sport. And um, it really started, for me at least, to feel like my whole identity. Mm. So I think it can be tricky when people only 
talk about the positive aspects of of Division One sports without also recognizing the fact that a lot of athletes struggle in their mental health, they struggle with their physical health. Um, it can be really stressful to try to do everything well when it comes to school and sports. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that, Kate. Um, after I just finished, I, I ran four years and um, I just finished up with that. And um, I had commented on one of your Instagram posts, I don't know if you remember, but I, I had said, um, you had shared something that really moved me. And um, I definitely, um, as I am just only a couple months out of finishing my career, um, I've definitely been grappling with that and like trying to figure that out. So I can definitely relate to your experience of how now, after having that out of my life, how much we identify with being that person and being a part of that sport. Yeah, that I, I'm not surprised. Well, let me just tell you, I'm 32. I'm more than a couple of months out of it and it just keeps getting back better and it takes a while. And I think that the, the fact that you're letting yourself kind of grapple with it and ask hard questions and, you know, sit in some of that discomfort is really healthy and normal and exactly where you should be right now. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's good advice. And I'm sure so many others can definitely use that advice right now too. Um, so I'm wondering, Kate, if you wouldn't mind elaborating a little bit more on the struggles that you had um, in college. You know, I, I really, appreciate what you said about the fact that you know when someone goes d1 no matter what the sport or even as an athlete in college no matter what you know division they're kind of put up on this pedestal of being like either this perfect person they get straight a's or whatnot and often like you said we forget that you know they're humans and that they struggle too. So I'm wondering if you might share, you know, kind of what you went through and then maybe tips for those who are going through either something similar or, you know, ways that they can com combat this, you know, perfect mentality. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was really lucky to have such a strong foundation and have a healthy mindset going into my D Division One experience. My, my high school coach was incredible. I'm still connected to him. Um, he used to give us Disney princess fruit snacks and pop tarts and, you know, talk to us about sleep and make sure that we were wearing like jackets and hats when it was raining. Um, he talked to us about eating enough food and, you know, he'd joke with us and say, hey, kids, you know, like on the weekends, like behave yourselves. If it doesn't happen after midnight, it's not going to happen. Like he just really cared about all of us as people. And then when I went into college, it was a totally different experience. I know there are incredible coaches at the Division One level. Um, my first college coach was fired a few months after I came to William and Mary, he had been there for like almost two decades. Um, and, you know, he, he uh, had a lot of amazing qualities, but unfortunately some of them were not so great. And I remember eating lunch with him one day and he's like, well, why are you having cookies? Like, why are you eating this? Like, I think that's a little too much. Like, what are, he, um, 
that was the first time that I started to realize that there was like a darker side of running. And my high school coach really shielded us from that when we were teenagers. He kept it fun and he pushed us and taught us how to work really hard. And um, I went to I went to college and I was just exposed to a whole new set of values. Um, I had teammates who were like amazing women, but I think that was the culture on our team was to eat less, um, to you know, sometimes, you know, party harder. Uh, it was, it was a pretty challenging environment for me. And I, I did not have a full blown eating disorder, but I definitely struggled, started to struggle with food. I would feel guilty about everything that I put in my mouth. I would look at what my teammates were eating and I'd be like, wow, wow so-and-so is eating so much less than me and she's beating me in practice. Like I want, you know, why, why aren't I as dedicated as she is? Um, and you know, if it weren't for kind of my parents coming to my races and staying really close to me and just me having that strong foundation of high school, like I could have had some pretty serious physical health problems um, in addition to some mental health problems. But I, I definitely developed an anxiety disorder in college. I stopped caring about my whole life as a, like, I stopped seeing myself as like a full person. And all I really cared about was how fast can I run? What can I achieve? And, you know, my junior year, I was running at the Penn Relays and it was my first 10K ever. And I was not a standout star runner by any means. You know, I was good enough to be in the varsity and to, on the varsity team and good enough to get to the big races. And when I got there, I wouldn't do anything. So I ran at Penn Relays, my first 10K ever. I ran a, an incredible time for me. Um, and I got third place. And I remember crossing the finish line and being like, oh shit, this is it. Like, this is what it feels like. This is what I've been working for, for the last three years. And I'm still sad. I still don't feel like I'm enough. Um, and I stayed up really late that night and I just remember feeling afraid. I'm like, this is maybe a little bit bigger than just running. So that's, that's I don't, that, that was my college my college experience and then you know I transferred to the University of Wisconsin and I found amazing teammates and I had a really talented coach who knew so much about the sport and there were you know it was it was a positive change but I had a, a similar experience where after my fourth year, because I, I transferred right before my fourth year, I ran cross country and track for Wisconsin. And then at the end of my fourth year, I went in to meet my coach for our end of year meeting. And my plan was, is I was going to stay on for a full year as a fifth year. Um, red shirt that cross country season and then use um, my track season from a, a time when I was injured before. And my whole plan for my fifth year was to go after the 10K and to try to qualify 
at nationals in the 10K. And I came with like a piece of paper and I had my entire summer training plan written down. And I was like, coach, here's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to start running, you know, 100 to 110 miles a week this summer. You know, I'm going to do this strength training program with my physical therapist at home. You know, he works with all the Nike athletes. Like, we're going to make some big strides. I think that I can really get stronger over the summer. And he's just like, Kate, 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 stop. This is all great. Sure, go run the miles. Go, like, train with your strength training coach that you like. He's like, but really the issue is, is you're a little too enthusiastic about food. Mm. He's like, I see you with the yogurt-covered pretzels. You know, I see you after races. Now, don't go crazy. Don't starve yourself. Don't have a problem. Don't take this too far. But just ease up a little bit. You just go after the food a little, with a little too much enthusiasm. And I was sitting in that chair overlooking, you know, the Wisconsin football stadium thinking, what the fuck? Mm. Like, this was not what I expected. You know, this was not what I thought this meeting was going to be about. And then the scariest part was, is that I believed him. I was like, I do need to do this to be good. But I also knew at the same time, even though I completely agreed with him and believed him. And at the time I was 116 pounds and five, seven, I did not have any like weight to lose here. Mm. Um, I also knew he was wrong. So I, I went home and I cried my eyes out and I got on the plane to go back to Portland the next day and my parents were on a big trip and I went over to my friend's house, my best friend from high school and her parents are like my second parents and I told them what happened. And her dad, his name is Bob, and he's super chill. Like, my best friend is Greek. Her mom is Greek. They're just always yelling and laughing, and they bring the party wherever they go. And they're like, Kate, this is ridiculous. You've got to stop running. This isn't healthy. And I just thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what you guys have been telling me for the last, you know, six or seven years. Like, I'm not 14 anymore. Like, running is fine. And then... My friend, my friend's dad came in and he said, Kate, this is insanity. You need to stop. And when he said something, that was like my permission. And I, um, you know, I, I just did it all by myself. I didn't call my parents when, you know, and tell them what I was doing, but I, I figured it out through the school. I called Wisconsin. I emailed my coach. I said, I'm done. I quit the team. I told him why. Um, he told me I was going to, I was making the biggest mistake of my life. And I was like, no, the biggest mistake of my life is to stay in an environment that is toxic and unhealthy for me. And I graduated early. I went back for the fall semester and I um, started to make peace with being a, a, a person who was no longer a division one runner, who no longer measured her, her every single move by by what she could achieve at that level. Um, I don't even know where to begin. First of all, thank you so much. Like, and that's not a bad thing. Um, thank you so much for sharing um, because it doesn't sound like, it sounds like it was an easy time for you. Um, and sometimes talking about those easy times 
isn't always easy or those hard times isn't always easy. So um, I want to acknowledge that and just kind of validate that and thank you um, for sharing. Um, I'm also curious to know what it was like when to feel like when Bob gave you that permission to be like, okay, I can do this. Like, what was that feeling like for you? Um, I felt like I needed, I couldn't do that by myself. Mm. I felt like I could not, yeah, I couldn't do it by myself. No way. And so, um, it was a relief, but it was, it was scary. And I just remember being so tired. Mm. I had a summer job, you know, every summer and I would go to my summer job and if I wasn't at the summer job, I was at my parents' house wearing my mom's bathrobe, being like, I'm so tired. Letting myself be tired for the first time in four and a half years. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I felt like as a collegiate distance runner, I never let myself feel fatigue. I would walk around campus, you know, running 15 miles a day, limping on the sidewalk. Um, sometimes falling asleep in the library, like, you know, I, I just felt like I had permission to be tired. It's almost like you had permission to be a human. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) And I know that sounds like so like crazy to say that, but when we give ourselves the permission to listen to what we actually need or what we actually want, isn't that like reconnecting with our human being again? Isn't that connecting with like our soul again and what we really, not what we want, but what we really need? That's, that's hard. It's hard stuff. It's hard to unpack. It's hard to be a part of um, and acknowledge. But um, once you do it and get over that like little hump there um, of starting to do it, it becomes mm-hmm. a little bit easier, I, I find at least. What do you mm-hmm. think, Elena? Um, I, I can like, fully relate to just having the permission, like you said, Kelsey, to just be human. Because sometimes when you're in, um, at like being a runner or just any other, anything else that you really identify with or that you're really connected to, you kind of let that um, mindset kind of take over a little bit. And then once you step back from it, you just have to take one step back. And it could be a small step or it could be a huge step. But then you realize like, like wow, that thing that I was letting bother me so much it just isn't, um, you know, it's not affecting anybody else. You look at the person who sits next to you in class or somebody on the street and you're like, well, they, they aren't relating to these same things. They have other things that they're dealing with. But, uh, you know, we just have to kind of sit back when we're out of that area and we talk to somebody else or find another person to talk to. They help us realize, like, hey, that thing that I was letting take over, it's not such a big I usually what I usually like to say to people is um, when you introduce yourself do you say hi I'm Kelsey the runner how weird is that as the first thing you like if the first person like if I met you so Kate and Elaine and I all met for the first time tonight well we met Kate for the first time tonight if I said to Kate hey Kate my name's Kelsey and I'm a distance runner like what is that like to, you know, that person in front of you saying like, that's the first thing you identify with? Like, is that how you want to identify yourself for the rest of your life or for this period of time in your life? 
I don't know, maybe, maybe that's what you want to do. But I, I always encourage people, you know, think about who you are when you introduce yourself to someone. Do you always want to be known as that distance runner or the collegiate athlete or whatever? Or do you want to be known as the daughter or the, the academic or the, the chef? Or, you know, sometimes it's okay to have one thing you identify with, but how about let's try to find like five or six things that you also identify with too. That's the fun. That's where the fun happens because you're not so solely, you know, tuned into just this one identity. Um, so I guess like thinking along those lines, Kate, um, you know, you spoke a little bit about transitioning from being a collegiate athlete and how difficult that was, um, kind of because your identity was wrapped up in that. So what helped you handle this tra er, tra transition, excuse me, um, and kind of tell us a little bit about that period of time in your life. So I wouldn't say that I am the master <laughs> at handling this transition, but I can share how hard it was. Um, you know, I graduated, I got a job, and I was looking for ways to stay fit and to have energy and to take care of myself. And yes, I kept running. And um, it took me a while before I could really dial back running. I'd say it was probably two or three years before I could really let that go and stop measuring my day on, oh, well, how fast did I run and how much did I run? And, um, but finding other forms of other ways to move my body that felt good, that weren't about totally achieving something or trying to get somewhere, I actually found a group, uh, an exercise studio that I really loved when I, shortly after I graduated college and I started teaching group fitness. Um, I started to do yoga, um, but a lot of the unhealthy patterns of thinking and internalized beliefs that I had about myself as a distance runner carried over into my professional life. So I started to do the same things um, professionally that I was doing when I was running 90 miles a week. You know, I'd, I'd work 60 hours a week. I'd push myself so hard to achieve. I'd always think about, you know, ways that I can improve. And I was always concerned about my performance professionally. Um, ultimately, you know, my anxiety actually got worse and worse. And it just became this thing that was a part of me. Like I had, I had hoped that when I stopped running, my anxiety would go away and I'd start to feel good in my skin again. And really it just got worse throughout my twenties until, you know, one day I started having a series of panic attacks at work hmm. and I actually took a medical leave and, um, I, I, I made my way into meditation uh, I had a therapist when I was 20 who told me that I needed to meditate. I told her that she was crazy. She said, she said two things to me when I was sitting on her couch. She's like, Kate, you need to start meditating and you need to stop running. And I just laughed at her and I was like, well, that's insane. I'm never going to stop running and meditation sounds hard and boring and I liked my anxiety. I was scared not to have it because I thought that it helped me to achieve and accomplish. And I, I felt like my anxiety made me feel special, like I mattered. Like if I was burned out all the time and totally dead, then wow, that's a sign 
that I am like trying, you know, and I'm showing up and I'm giving it my all. So, um, you know, it took, it took until I was, you know, 27 before I started meditating and I did it every single day. I found a teacher that I loved and trusted. I saw the benefits of meditation, but I hated it. It was a total, oh, I just, I just dreaded doing it. I, I felt like I, it was a waste of time, even though I saw the positive impact it was having. I just didn't like it. So even though I didn't like it, I kept doing it because I was in a desperate place having this anxiety disorder and me meditating made the difference between me having a panic attack and me not having one. So um, for a year, I meditated regularly and then I started to really miss exercising because I wasn't exercising like I used to because I was working all the time. I didn't have time. I told myself I didn't have time to do both. I couldn't move and meditate. I had to choose. Um, but one day I started working out in my living room and then meditating afterwards. And I started combining the high intensity workouts that I loved from my, my background in fitness I combined that with my meditation and then I realized, oh my God, my meditation is so much more enjoyable because I'm taking all of these endorphins and I'm blowing off steam before I sit in the quiet. So I feel more connected and less antsy during my meditation. And then I started to see a really interesting impact that my meditation had on my workout because it wasn't about me feeling the burn in my butt anymore that was still fun and cool, like whatever, you know, but it was about how it felt to be fully present in my body. And then I started to realize that working out isn't a time to check out. It's not a time to like push through pain and ignore your body and, and tell yourself you have to go faster and do it better. Working out is a time to check in and get curious. Wow, what emotions are showing up right now in this pose? How am I breathing? You know, and I, I started to be able to connect with myself in a deeper way and my whole relationship with myself shifted. And over time, everything that I was doing to grow and to drive myself forward, it felt different. It felt like it was coming from this place of love and patience and kindness and understanding rather than that place of deficit and not enough. So I went to my husband, Peter, who we met actually on the track. He ran at USC and I didn't date him for years because I thought he was easy and not serious enough. I'm like, oh yeah, you run, you run at USC. You guys are just partying a lot. <laughs> but I told him, I said, Peter, this is what I want to do. Like, this is it. This is what I want to share with people. I want to take my background as an athlete, as a group fitness instructor. I want to combine this with meditation and I want to help people train their minds just as much as they're training their bodies. And Peter's an app developer and he's like, awesome. Go give your notice on Monday. So um, that's really how our business was born. But the interesting part is even last year when we launched our business, I, and we launched this platform with online workouts, with online meditation classes, I still wouldn't touch running. I was like, Oh, all this other movement is really healthy and amazing, but I don't want to run. And Peter kept saying like, Oh, why don't you try it again? 
I got curious and realized that I was not able to apply the same things that I had learned about being embodied during my run. Um, I, I still had a lot of bad memories. I still had old tendencies like, why is this so hard? You know, oh, I'm running a nine minute mile now. I used to run a 631 before. Mm-hmm. Um, comparing myself to a different version of me. And then I was like, okay, I need to heal. This is where my work is. And I started to develop a series of mindful runs set to music. So that's really how my my running platform and program was born. Just me trying to scratch my own itch and heal myself. Oh my gosh. So I no no I'm saying oh my gosh not in a bad way. Um, so I actually this is probably terrible podcast hosting of me, but I didn't want to look up anything about move and meditate at first because I wanted to hear it directly from you, what it was like. Um, because I feel like if I tried it, I'd kind of come into it with preconceived notions because I'm very similar to you in that I'm like oh my gosh like first and foremost I should say I love yoga. I will do yoga till the cows come home. That's the saying, right? Don't you think that that's the sound I say? Okay. The thought of meditation is so scary to me. I was like, like this wonderful woman, really, I think I could maybe, maybe try it. And I couldn't even try it before I came on here because I wanted, first of all, because I wanted to hear it from you. And because I was just like, oh, I think it's, I don't know. I don't just, I don't know. But, um, so I want to, I just, anyways, long story short, um, That's I'm eager fine. To try it. yeah, I'm eager to try it and see what it's like. Um, because I love how you talk about the combination of exercise and being mindful. Um, yeah. So I guess kind of going with that, cause you kind of answered this question, but I almost want to dive deep a little bit deeper into the program. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, the name of the, you know, tell us the name of your program, what it does and you know, kind of your mission behind it. And for those who may want to um, do it, like what can they expect and where can they find it sort of a thing? That was a lot yeah. of questions in one. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> Great. So um, my online platform, I have a website and it's my name, kateherley.com. And I spell my name K-A-I-T, which is a little tricky. <laughs> and then my app is called Kate. And I know that that might sound like super narcissistic and weird to have an app named after yourself, but the reason why I did it is because I want the people who are using this app to know that I am there with them every step of the way, every breath, every rep. Like I am here to help you move and meditate and connect with that deeper, wiser part of you. And, you know, that really is my mission because there's a whole lot of ways to move your body, but if you're not doing it with intention, if you're not checking in with yourself, then you know you're missing out on massive benefits. So, you know, people joke, and a lot of people who have recently downloaded my app, even within the last week, it just launched November eighth, so it's new. They they're telling me that I'm tricking them into meditation. And that I'm tricking them into, someone told me, um, you know, last week, she's like, every morning I wake up and I do, I think, oh, I'm just going to do your workout. 
And then once I start, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll just do this because it's only five minutes. And then she said, every time I'm done, I'm so happy that I didn't skip out early. But to your point, Kelsey, meditation has this reputation of being this like otherworldly, enlightened, you know, calm, blissful experience, but that is not true. Yes, meditation can be like that, but the goal is not to achieve a certain state of being. It's not to clear your mind of thoughts. It's not to control your thoughts. It is to be present with whatever showing up moment to moment. And when you can do that, that's when you can really tap into your wisdom, your inner strength, your intuition, and increase your resilience. Because, you know, life isn't just about joy and bliss and feeling good. It's about, you know, grief and rage and, you know, sadness and fear. Like it's the full spectrum of emotions that we feel throughout our day. And so those full spectrum of emotions are going to come up during our meditation. And my goal is to help you build a new skill set so that you can sit with that discomfort and work with the energies of your stress so that your stress is eventually it starts to nourish and support you. It is all just information, you know, to help guide you rather than something you see as the enemy. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. Oh my gosh. I'm sold. (laughs) There's always been this like idea. Maybe it's kind of this nature of things of um, like going into it, like doing any sort of mindfulness because I started it a year ago, um, mindfulness for, and I only lasted like a few days because I thought I had to be perfect at it. And I thought like that there was a right way to do it and I was doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, gosh, I really don't think this is right for me. And that's why, because I thought I was doing it wrong, but it's different. Like when I'm on a yoga mat, because I'm like, Oh, it's okay if I do it wrong because I'll learn, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's nice to hear you speak that way about it because it makes it so much more almost user-friendly and accessible to everyone. Oh, good. I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah. And really, you know, the, the meditations that I'm teaching you, they're based in yogic teachings. They're based in the wisdom traditions across all cultures. And so I'm not surprised that you're you're able to make that connection with your own yoga practice and, and what I just shared. And Elena, you've tried it, yes? Yeah, I um, I think my free trial ends tomorrow, maybe. Oh! <laughs> but I'm really okay. excited because um, it's exactly what I needed. And when I um, read about um, move and meditate, because for me, meditation always been a little hard. I'm like, oh, I sit there, do my best for like a first couple minutes, and then I, my mind wanders. And when you said like move, get all your energy out, and then meditate, I was like, wow, that sounds awesome. And so um, it's been exactly what I needed right now in this time of life. Um, I go to a yoga studio um, about three times a week, but then the other couple days, um, it's nice to have something else to do. And I love how you have it on your website um, divided into short classes, longer classes, and then you have just meditate. I, um, I, I love how it's organized. And so, you know, I, you know, sometimes for me, you'll have the mindset like, oh, anything less than like 20 minutes isn't great. But I love like, you know, just like do something for 10 minutes. I sit down and do something and feel good. 
and then you meditate and I'm good to go for the day or for mm-hmm. the evening. I, I did one class a little bit ago because uh, it's snowing and icy out here. So um, it's not safe to be outside doing too yeah. much activities. And um, it was it was great and exactly what I needed. Oh, I'm so glad. And I also really love what you said about you know, having that fear of, oh, my mind is going to wander. Well, just so that the listeners can know, that is part of the process because the, you know, your mind wanders and we're training your attention. So the fact that you notice, hey, I'm, I'm drifting away from my point of focus from my guided meditation. And then you come back. That's like doing a rep. You know, that's like running a mile. It's like doing a squat or doing a bicep curl. Every time you notice your attention has wandered and you come back, you get stronger mentally. So just think about it like that. I love that. That's the perfect way to think about that. Oh, good. That's good because, yeah, that's very helpful. Sometimes you'll be sitting there and like, okay, well, I messed up. But, you know, yeah, just like you're right. Just like you do a rep, you don't hit the time you want or maybe you can't do as many as you wanted, but you just start over again. Yeah. Yeah. And then having compassion, right? Just being more aware of your thoughts, noticing that thoughts can come in and out all on their own. They're just electrical impulses. Yeah. I love that. I I think it's so so helpful in any aspect of life for running, um, just even if you're a runner, um, just in life and being able to handle lots of things that come our way. Yes, yes, for sure. It's all about resilience. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think you mentioned compassion, and it kind of segues into a little question I had was um, uh, self-care and how that might look in your life. Um, for, for Strong Runner Chicks, I create self-care calendars each month, mm-hmm. and uh, this month I took the time off. I didn't create one because we just finished up. I made a whole year's worth of them. Wow. Um, and so I, I need a little break, and I'm kind of changing them up a little bit, which I'm excited to share with everyone. And so um, I thought it might be, uh, as you are someone who um, is very conscious of and mindful, knowing um, how you view self-care in your life. Um, my time is a non-negotiable. And, you know, I know that a lot of people might not have a lot of time for themselves. And I don't think that you need hours and hours to take care of yourself and to fill your own cup. So my whole thing is, you know, the little things are actually the really big things. So, uh, you know, for me, like waking up and drinking water and having a hot cup of tea and sitting and meditating before I dive into emails is huge. Maybe a mom who has a new baby, they're like, yeah, right, that would never happen. And it's like, oh, okay, well, can you, you know, take a 10 minute walk with your kid? You know, just whatever, whatever you can fit into your life and it needs to fit into your busy life. You cannot have this extravagant plan that you, you know, plan your whole life around, if that makes sense. So it has to be easy. It has to be simple. And for me, it's just a non-negotiable. And I think the beautiful, beautiful, unexpected thing that happens is when we get healthy and strong, we can show up for not just ourselves in a better way, but for everyone else around us. Yeah. 
like when I was struggling with anxiety, there was no way that I would be able to hold space for other people who are suffering or struggling too. So um, that's been an important lesson for me. I, I fully agree. Um, it's, even though it's hard, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't have a whole hour to go on, do this or go on a hike or go and paint or whatever makes you happy. But just like having those few minutes, I think taking a couple minutes for yourself definitely makes you more being, be there for other people. We have to yeah. fill ourselves up before we can give to other people. And um, I think both are important. And uh, I can, I, I really am trying to work on the when I wake up, not checking my phone thing, because I know if I check my phone and I see an email, that's something I need to attend to. I will get on my computer and take care of it right away. And so um, I'm definitely trying to work on, like, no, don't check your phone right away when you wake up. Like, I know it'll still be there for me <laughs> if I take a few minutes to get up, uh, get ready for the day, and then come back to it. Because that person doesn't know when I wake up. They no. <laughs> no. I also love what you said, Kate, about your time is non-negotiable. Um, that is so... It's almost very empowering to hear that um, because I feel like in today's society, and this goes back to what you said earlier, um, that you we put so much of ourselves into other things. Like we split ourselves up. We're so dedicated that we want to do so much and fill our schedule with so many things that we forget to put aside time for ourselves a lot of the time. So it's very refreshing and empowering to hear that your time is non-negotiable. That is your time to do whatever you need that fills you and fills your cup and fills you with joy or whatever that may be. And um, I hope that listeners, you know, really take that to heart because it's really, especially in your college age, which is usually the type of demographic that we have listening, it's, it's hard to find that time for yourself. So I would just encourage everyone to take Kate's words to heart because that's really important in terms of just developing your own self, whether that's mental, physical, or, you know, spiritual health. I mean, it's just, it's very valuable. So um, thanks, Kate, for sharing that. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for college, you know, you know, women that are listening to this and men too, um, I really struggled in college just feeling like I had to go and do everything with friends, you know, and then kind of burn the candle out both ends. So realizing being okay with, with the fact that when you say, you know, no to something else, like you're, you're really saying yes to something that might be way more important and meaningful for you. So just making sure that you're clear on your values and your why behind it. Mm, definitely. Um, so we want to be mindful of your time, but um, we have like three questions that we usually like to wrap up with our guests. Um, the first one is, what is currently making you thrive? Making me what? Thrive, like feel fulfilled. Um, gosh, you know, I would say it's been, I just got back from New York and I did a series of pop-up classes there and getting to talk to subscribers in person and hearing their personal stories about you know, struggling with exercise and meditation and how this has impacted their life has been everything to me. So that's like really, I'm still on a high, honestly, from getting, from getting back from New York last week. I, I got an email a couple of days ago from a woman in Michigan 
who said that, you know, she had something inappropriate happen at work. And, you know, she said that the staying, be, learning how to stay present with her discomfort and like really tap into her own resilience gave her the strength to say something and speak up for herself and that it went really well when she did. Uh, just stories like that that I'm not expecting to hear because a lot of times, you know, this is a digital thing and I, I really treasure any kind of communication that I can have, have with people, whether it be via email or in person. Oh my gosh, that must be, it gives me goosebumps to think about that. Did you ever think you'd be changing people's lives like this? Um, well, I don't know if I'm changing their lives. I think I'm just giving them some tools for them to do the hard work and for them to uncover their own strength that's been there the whole time. So, um, but yeah, I'm so grateful for the community and people fill me up just as much as, you know, I give to them. It's a, definitely a two-way street. Yeah. And I can imagine that energy between you and the person. And not only that, but the energy of New York is like insane. So I feel like it was, I don't know for you, but it was, I went to New York a few years ago for the marathon and probably just because it was marathon weekend, but like it was so stimulus, like, like overload for me, but it was, there's so much energy and cool people. And, and, oh, it was just, it's, a beautiful place and it's in its own right. Yes, I love New York and I'm totally with you. And I go there for work a few times a year, like three or four times a year. Whenever I go, there's always a night where I'm just awake until three or four in the morning because I'm so amped up and sensitive uh -huh. to the around me. Uh -huh. So my meditations there are, are always really different than they are in Portland. So, oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Totally different. <laughs> Both sides of the country. Mm -hmm. um, so, what advice, Kate, would you give to your younger self? Oh, you just, you don't have to prove yourself, you know? Like, you don't have to define yourself. You don't have to try to stand out. Like, how you are right now is totally enough. I know that probably sounds really cheesy, um, but also just having, I, I wouldn't have listened to myself, but I would have, um, I wish that my younger self believed in herself more than she did. You know, like there, there is no, there is no playbook. There is no right and wrong. There are no shoulds. Like you really do get to choose and you're not going to fuck it up. Like yeah. just, just do a little bit more of what makes you happy and what brings you joy and know that the rest is going to fall into place. I love that there are no playbooks and I love that, you know, I love that there are no shoulds. Uh, I just, how liberating is that? Like, you don't have to, oh, I just like, I can't even begin to like, that's what gets me so excited about when people I've worked with in the past realize that, that you don't need to do something, you know, that something you're doing is because you want it or you value it. Oh, that realization is beautiful. Yeah. I also just really saw like coaches as, you know, and it was me seeing them this way, like as 
I put them on a pedestal in a major way and trying yep. to please them and just reminding myself that the only person that needs to feel good about my actions and choices is me. Yep. Yeah. That's a great point, Kate. Like spot on right now. With, like I said, with a lot of our listeners, I think that their coaches can be not everybody, of course, I don't want to generalize, but I think a lot of coaches can be very intimidating um, because, you know, as a coach, you know, you have to hold that standard or that idealized picture of what a head division one or division two or division three head coach should be like. And in reality, you know, they're human beings too. Hello. Like they were, they go to the bathroom, they eat food, like they do everything like everybody else does. So why not? Like, it's just, and I was in that realm too when I played soccer. So I, I understand that feeling, but that's a really great point, Kate. And I'm glad you brought it up. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be chatting with you. <laughs> oh, likewise. Um, so our last question, and I'm going to edit it just slightly. Um, so what does being a strong runner chick or a mindful chick mean to you? Um, being a mindful runner chick or a strong runner chick. I think it's just somebody who can appreciate their body and appreciate themselves and know that their integrity and their willingness to face things is, is so much more important than, than how fast they go or how many miles they log. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I can't even, I have to, I just like want to just sit in silence after this for a while and just reflect on everything that we've talked about because I think you bring up so many good points, Kate, about just being an individual in this world and what it means to you or to whoever's listening um, personally in terms of not only, you know, your your new app, or, um, but just like bettering themselves and bettering the world around them. I just think you're on this trajectory to, even though you say I'm, you're not changing lives, you really are helping people to change their lives. So um, Kate, I just want to thank you for taking the time to join us um, tonight. It was very powerful, I would say. Well, thanks for having me. I, I love what you guys are doing and I love the community that you're creating and leading. So thank you. Thank you. Elena, do you have anything else you'd like to add or ask Kate? Um, I was just going to say one final thing. Yes. Should. And I actually just did an exercise a couple weeks ago on my own shoulds in life. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a wonderful exercise to do because you don't realize how many shoulds we have or, or rules that we give ourselves. And um, if anybody's listening, I encourage you to try um, that exercise. You just sit down um, and they kind of started coming after I wrote down like two things and then I was able to identify them in my life because I may not identify them. I just kind of go through life and realize. And um, so thank you for bringing that up, Kate. I, uh, I appreciate that. And I, I think it's really important. Well, the fact that you're aware of it now, yeah. you're light years ahead of me. I don't even want to know what you'll be doing when you're 32. I can't wait to see what's next for you, Elena. Podcasts and these are podcasts to me that are like, oh, these are like really big podcasts. Mm -hmm. And so 
it's just such an honor to have you and I'm so so glad we're able to work this out um, and have you here with us and um, we hope we're glad to have you now as part of a strong ownership community and um, yes we look forward and hopefully we can um, work on a couple things maybe um, have you come and um, share some things on a self-care calendar and coming up so that would be pretty neat yeah let me know <laughs> Awesome. Well, Kate, thank you again for your time um, and your energy to us tonight. We really appreciate it, and I think our listeners will too. Um, so I, I just want to wish you all the best, and please let us know if there's anything we can do for you. Okay, same here. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> all right, Strong Runner Chicks, thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate your time, and we hope to talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.